Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to episode 107 of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. In this week's episode, we are doing a female founder episode, which means we are chatting with a female founder and really kind of talking through like the early days of a business, how they got started, what did it look like for them, what are they doing to grow now, but we're really focusing on the early days of the business because I think for a lot of listeners here, knowing how people took those early days and managed to get some success out of their business, I think is really, really important. So I really, really like this episode. So we are talking with Candy Wong, the head dog owner and CEO of the brand Wildside. And her brand is super cute. So she sells dog harnesses, collars, poop bag holders, and a lot of other really, really cool um, pet products that are, she's based out of Utah and her business was really inspired by her three golden retrievers. And they are the ones that inspired her to, to start this business and design her dog gear that's not boring, but it's very durable. So a lot of her products are very much geared around like nature, outdoors, adventures, which I appreciate because I, I love all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we're we're talking with Candy and this is a super fun episode. It's very authentic and we're just going to talk about her business, what it looked like, how she got started, what her story was and all that stuff in between. So grab your coffee, grab your wine. It's going to be a great episode. Hello, Candy. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. Hi, same. (laughs) Yay. So we are going to dive into a lot of fun conversation around dogs. And I love having pet people on here because, of course, I am like a crazy dog mom. I had a pet business and I have two amazing dogs. And so I love in particular talking to pet brands, because I feel like you guys are my people. Um, But before we dive into it, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself and your brand? And I know that you've recently rebranded, so you have a new name. So let's hear, let's hear your new name and your business. Yeah. So I was designs by Wildside for four years. So I just recently rebranded with Doc's Design. They're like famous in the dog world. I mean, I I trust them 100%. So now the rebrand is just wild side. Everyone convinced me to keep the name actually. Like I was actually, I had like a list of like 200 names and I'm like, I changed to this, 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 and this. And like everyone in my family and my friends and, you know, even the agency, they're like, no, you need to keep wild side. This is who you are. And this is what we see you guys as. So I just love like fun designs with like vibrant colors because I have three goofy ass goldens and it just suits them you know they're not serious they're not like instagram models or anything and it's a struggle for me to get pictures of them and it just really like shows their personality and you know adventures like going on hikes camping or like you know dock diving or the beach or stuff like that i'm just looking at my new prints over there that's why like i'm staring at <laughs> No, you're good. I'm actually looking at your website and I'm like scrolling through just looking at your products and all that. Um, what do you sell? What kind of things do you sell to people? So I sell um, dog collars, leashes, and harnesses, mainly for medium to you know large size dogs. Okay. Unfortunately, we don't have anything for like chihuahuas and stuff like that. It's just not my customer base. Um, and they're we have stuff that's like stainless steel for people that, you know, does hardcore adventures that need something more durable or 
that doesn't rust and our harnesses are made for adventures because they're just a lot more sturdier. Um, they're not like the soft type of harnesses that kind of like your dog can rip through if you have a large dog. Cause we, you know, I've, I've used those harnesses on them before. I'm just like, there has to be some sort of harnesses out there for bigger dogs that are cute. You're like, I don't mm. want plain designs. I don't want plain colors. Like my dogs are fun. Like I want something more for them. And that's how I kind of got started with those. Okay. I love that. And I'm going to, you said something right now that I'm literally making a note of, cause I want to make sure that I come back to that. So let's talk about the early days. So you sell, um, dog collars and, and pet products. Yeah. What, like, tell us, let's go back. I think you said you had your business for four years. Let's go back to the early days. Like what was the day that you were like, I'm going to start a pet business. Like, tell me what that looked like. Cause I always feel like that's people's most interesting story is like what sparked the idea. And then what made you take action? Okay. So I'm going to like maybe backtrack a little bit more to kind of get up that part. Sure. Don't laugh. Um, And I hope (laughs) if this makes it out somehow to the companies I worked for, I hope I don't get in trouble. (laughs) Okay. So I used to live in Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, right? Mm-hmm. And we made a decision to move out to Utah. And we're like, okay, well, I'm going to need to find a job that I can do remotely, okay? So what can I do that's going to be remote, that's popular, you know, high in demand? You know, in Washington, D.C., everything is like what? software, right? Tech, Mm. government, yeah, whatever. So I I don't do government stuff. My husband used to do government stuff, but he's still in the IT section. So I found a job in Northern Virginia doing like tech support, very low, like scale tech support. Mm -hmm. I had no experience, but I think they liked me and that's why they hired me um, for customer support tech, whatever they can teach me. So I worked there for a little while and then I started applying for jobs that was remote. This place hired me. I was so shocked. It was from like San Francisco area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what is it called? Silicon Valley, whatever. Yeah. Silicon Valley. And they were kind of like based in Napa. So it really, really close mm-hmm. to San Francisco. I'm just like, Ooh, I love Napa. Like, like shit. They hired me. Like what's like, what's going on? And they, offered me like double what I had made for them with the company back at back at home. So I started working for them. I would fly to Napa hmm. to so do, you know, the, the tech job and all this stuff. And I worked for them like almost a year. It was like the hardest job ever because I had no clue on how to do tech support and my husband was like next door in the office next to me I'm just like can you help me write this ticket like I have no idea like these people (laughs) like he had to like help me do my job because it was just so technical for me and I am not a technical person Mm -hmm. so you know I've never been fired from a job before but they let me go they're really nice they're like you can keep your chair you can keep your desk um but I don't think this is working out I'm just like yes thank god like this is not working out so when this is like, I already moved to Utah, we already moved mm-hmm. to Utah and I'm just like, you know what? I really want to shoot photos. You know, like I, I liked photography. I was still learning back then. And I started doing photography for dogs and it was called wild side pet photography. So the, the name uh-huh. was already there. Okay. Yeah. And I gave it a stab for a little while, but it was really hard, like pet photography, getting the clients, um, just getting your name out there. It was hard. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like sales, but I really liked doing the photos for people that really need them or, you know, like end of life photos for their dogs. Aww. And it was just really hard for me too. And I'm just like, I don't know if yeah. I can do this. <clears throat> and I started like thinking about other ways, like what other ways of things I can do to stay in the industry, you know, like the pet industry, like I really like the pet industry. And this is when we got Jib, our first golden retriever. Almost, okay. He's almost six now. Um, 
I was like, okay, well, I can't sew. What what can I do? Like we, mm-hmm. and I was still thinking about what we were going to do. And we had this trip that we traveled to the Outer Banks like every year. So we drove from Utah to the Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. And those three days in the car, and I was just thinking like, what, what can I do? And I remember like Cricket was releasing like a new like machine, like the Maker that could cut like felt and stuff like that because I was actually making like felt flowers for my dog to put on their collar and, you know, or a little bow tie and stuff like that. Okay. So I tracked that machine down, you know, I don't know. I think it was like Kansas city or something. And I made my fiance at the time or boyfriend at the time stop. And so I can get this machine so I can have it at the beach house and just do craft the whole like week that we were there. So I think that was like around like September, it was September. And I made a bunch of like collar flowers, like bow ties, and it brought it back to Utah. And I went to like, like farmers markets and like put them on my Etsy. It was like the worst thing ever, like setting up at the market because I didn't make anything. Like, I'm like, wow, like, <laughs> is this what I'm going to be looking at? Like down the road, like. I'm going to make like $25 at these shows and I paid 125 for these tables. Oh no. So from there, like a couple of my customers are like, do you think you'll ever make like collars? And I was like, I don't know how to sew. Like, I just know how to use a glue gun. Like, I don't really know like what I would do. Mm -hmm. So like I started researching and I started watching like YouTube videos, like tutorials and then I actually bought a sewing machine from like Amazon or something like that, Walmart, like a really cheap one, like $150 sewing machine and just started like figuring out like sizing, like how people make their collars and like what kind of hardware to use. And I still have pictures of like my first collar. It was like horrible looking. It was just so ugly. And the stitching was like everywhere like I don't like I wouldn't even trust this on my own dog I'm just like all right I had to keep practicing because I don't want my dogs to wear this this is like really ugly and I was just buying like hardware like you know like Joann's like everything yeah Hobby Lobby um and I just start started like practicing and practicing and just kept making it better and bigger you know like bigger for my dogs like um standard collars are like one inch so we make a lot of like one and a half inch because bigger dogs it just shows better and it's just like sturdier too I think from there I just started making a bunch of collars and just designing stuff and then I was at on Etsy at the time um I had no coaching I had no idea what I was doing I didn't even know what SEO was like I was just literally posting photos to Etsy, hoping someone would see them. And that's just kind of how it got started. And I just kept designing into things that I really wanted for my dogs. Like I would never design something that my dogs don't need or will not like ever wear. Like I get yeah. requests for that. Like sometimes they'll get like, can you guys make me, make me a collar in the Louis Vuitton print? I'm just like, I don't wear that. My dogs don't wear that. I'm sorry. I can't make you any of that. Yeah. But yeah, kind of how I got started. Interesting. I love, it's so funny to hear people's just stories of how, what inspired them or just like, what was that one moment there that they, that kind of like changed the rest, you know? And it's always like a funny story. So I like, I think yours is like moving to Utah and like getting fired. (laughs) And I have been fired from a job before. It's not, yeah, it's a story for a different day, but anyway, you make it. That's what I feel like we've, we've all been fired from, and it's always like the worst job. It's never like the good job that you like love. It's always the dumb one that you're like, eh, whatever. I don't care. Like the pay was good, but it was hard. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so when I'm listening to your story, a few things that really popped out to me were, um, in this one thing that you said at the beginning of the episode is that, uh, I'm trying to think of exactly how you said it. You said something like I created, um, I created, I think it was either the leash or collar for, you said something like I created a leash or a collar for like golden retrievers that was actually cute. 
So it seems like that was sort of like the pain point or problem that you solved for your customer because I totally understand that a lot of dog collars, dog leashes, they aren't super cute, especially if they're like supposed to be functional, like for hiking and going to the beach and and kind of like adventures, like you say that your brand is for, they Mm -hmm. oftentimes are kind of ugly. They're kind of plain. So it seemed like you tried to, and you also said with your collars, you made them bigger because you attract uh, golden retrievers or larger size dogs and like collars for small dogs are more thinner. And then with a fluffy dog, like a retriever, I have a golden doodle. So I totally Mm -hmm. know that. Um, the collar gets like lost in the fur and you can't see it. So if you, if you have a collar that people can't see, then it's kind of like, what's the point, you know, why would you, yeah. Why would you spend more money to get a really fun, cute collar? If, if you can't see it on your dog. So like when I started, I was using just fabric but now we we are trying to completely just get rid of fabric and we only use a custom designed webbing um mm-hmm. and I like something like this like this is doesn't have fabric so it's totally like strong durable you oh, can like, swim in it you can they roll around and poop whatever mm. and it's just easy to wash um just okay. fabric they just kind of like they die so hmm. what's the point of buying something that's just not going to last, especially yeah. for bigger dogs? Like they have like more, I feel like they just sweat more. I don't know. Like they just get gross faster, yeah. you know, and they stink. And yeah. So, <laughs> so what were like, what were the early days of your business? So I know that you said you sold an Etsy. Let's like, let's get away from Etsy. <laughs> when did you start your own I know that I believe you have a Shopify store, correct? Uh When did you start your own website? And like, what was, how did those early days look of like setting up your online store, figuring out shipping, getting like all your product photos. Let's walk through like just how that looked for you. Cause I know for a lot of people that have online stores that setting up all the stuff ends up being really challenging. I know my first website was not great. So let's hear about yours. Yeah. Um, so I, I left Etsy probably about two years ago. I mean, I'm still on Etsy. It's, if I get income on there, it's like a bonus cash Yeah. that I spend on things I don't need for my shop or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't depend on Etsy because you have no control over your yeah. customers. You yeah. can't collect their emails. They can shut you down whenever they want to for no reason in particular. Yeah. So it's just never good to have all your eggs in one basket. So oh, the Shopify. I love that so much. Thank you for just, saying that. Yeah, this is what just, I preach like every single day. So thank you. <laughs> I mean, even with Shopify, they can still shut you down. So even on Instagram. So you just always kind of have like a backup plan. But Etsy, I just don't feel like it's fair for makers that work really hard. Um, if they hear me saying this, they'll probably like shut down my shop. I don't know. I just feel like they're kind of cruel sometimes. But anyway, um, Shopify, it took me, I would say it took me a couple of weeks. It's not fast. You have to make sure that you can register your domain, which you know you have to make sure that you're either registered as an LLC business through your state. Just you got to make sure you can do all that with the name that you want to use for Shopify. Picking a theme was really hard. Okay. Um, I went through all their free themes. I even paid for a theme, which I do not recommend because if anything goes wrong with your website and you need tech support, they cannot help you with a third party um, theme that you buy. But now that they've gotten more advanced now, 2.0, have you seen the 2.0, Carrie? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, amazing. Lots of options to customize. And I think they're making people go over the 2.0 anyway. I can't remember that like, you have to do it. Um, yeah. It's well worth it. Along with the website, you know, you have to make sure you have, you know, nice photos like Carrie mentioned. And you can do that with your phone. You don't need to be a photographer. You just need literally like two pieces of white cardboard, a window, and maybe like an editing app like Snapseed or like Lightroom is free. 
and Canva is free. You just have to make sure that your pictures are clear, the background, you, you have like a main picture that's white. Cause that's, that does really well with like Google too. When people are trying to look for you, those pictures will always do best. And an email, like I feel like Shopify, now you have more control. I always tell all my friends are still on Etsy, like you guys need to look into a mail provider, like a mail service mail provider and collect those emails because that's what's mm-hmm. going to convert, not your social media, not your, you know, like your TikTok going viral. Like you can't depend on any of that. Like your email list will always be yours and you can always yeah. build it. So yeah. an email list, a good pop-up on your website. Um, also study like the behavior, like the psychology of like, when do people click? When is it not annoying to have that pop-up on your site, depending on how long they shop? Um, make sure your abandoned cart is set up on Shopify. That's very important. Like a lot of the sales do convert because people may have stuff in their cart, but then they get turned away by your shipping. And some shops cannot afford, you know, like do free shipping. It's it's hard for me to do free shipping because shipping could be like $10, you know, on top of your coupon. It's just too much. I cannot handle that. But you can always win them back with a coupon or something like that. If they're already at the checkout, they already enter the information and they see like the shipping's like $10. I don't know if I can do this. And then setting up your abandoned cart, like maybe like I don't, I don't remember what mine is set about. I'm just going to throw it out there. Like six hours later, it's like, Hey, did you leave this in your car? Like here's $10 or here's 10% for you to spend. You know, maybe that could help you with, you know, rethinking about ordering from us, but it's only going to be like good for 24 hours or something like that. Urgency. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I think that would be it for Shopify. Like your email list pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, just making sure you can use this, you know, have good photos on your website. I feel like that kind of make or break your website or your brand, because if you have blurry, dark photos, like people are not going to want to buy from you. Cause I feel like they may not think that you're professional or you take your business like seriously. Mm-hmm. And there's so many like tips on Pinterest, you know, on the internet that you can find YouTube videos, tons of them. Mm-hmm. And when you were first starting, like, how did you first get your customers? I know that's what a lot of people struggle with when they first launch their business. Like, um, maybe what was the one or top two places that you were getting your customers from when you were first starting out? Oh gosh. Well, when I first started out, you know, your family, right? Like your, your family will always buy from you what at least once when you first start out, but don't depend on them. They're not your customers. Always remember that they are not your customer. Um, I think social media, you know, like just Instagram was Mm -hmm. helped me. Um, Customer loyalty. I have a lot of returning customers. They still buy from me from when I have felt flowers. So they they (laughs) kind of like moved along with me, like along my side, like holding my hand, like I'm still here, you know, I still buy your products. Just communicating with them, talking to them like they're friends. Mm-hmm. you know, to a certain point, not like, let's go get beer or, you know, like, let's go do happy hour, but, you know, like talking to them saying happy birthday to them or something happens, you know, like sad in their life or whatever. You just kind of like reach out, like, if you need anything, let me know, like just kind of like customer loyalty and just letting them know that you're there for them. I yeah. think it's a big part of starting your business. Okay. So when you were, so you're starting out and you were saying, so besides family, you were saying <coughs> Instagram was one of the the top places when you were first getting customers. What were you, what kind of content were you posting? Like, how were you showing up? And again, I know that you said, I believe this was like maybe three, four years ago. Were you showing up on video? Um, reels were not, did not exist then. Um, stories, I believe were, yeah, I think Instagram stories were there, but like, how are you showing up? What kind of content were you posting on Instagram to like start attracting your, like, let's say your golden retriever customers? Well, I didn't know Jack squat back then. Like, I feel like I (laughs) don't, I mean, I literally posted 
product photos all the time, like mm-hmm. pretty boring. Like there was, I didn't do stories. I didn't do reels. I didn't go live. I didn't have an email campaign. Like that was it. I was just hoping people would just find me on Etsy and my Etsy store did well, but I just couldn't understand their algorithm on how to stay on their track of doing well. Cause they kind of like demote people sometimes. So that was just kind of scary because you just could never, you could never depend on what you're going to make. You had no control. I think that was mm. the main thing of, you had no control of knowing what you could do better next month or, yeah. you know, like certain things. Like now I track everything like Google analytics. I track all my visitors, new returning. Like I have like a spreadsheet. Mm. So now I could tell myself like, okay, well, this is low for this month or I need to do better, you know, for next month, this is what I need to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think I had any strategy back then. It was just, Hey, I'm just going to post on Instagram and I hope some people will see it. Were you, cause I know that you said, and we're not going to dive deep into like your ideal customer or any of that stuff. But when you were first starting out, how were you trying to stand? I know we talked about this before we started recording, like the importance of standing out. How did you, uh, like, who was your ideal customer? Never mind. Let's talk about it. <laughs> who, <laughs> um, who were you trying to attract? And like, how were you trying to speak to them in your, like, through messaging? Like, whether it was your website, whether it was your, these Instagram posts, like, because when you're first starting a business and you have no traction, I like, I'm literally sitting here thinking back to my early days of posting on Instagram and just being like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm just going to post something and we'll see. Like, and I was trying to use different hashtags and, and all that. So what was like your strategy with your ideal customer? And like, how were you trying to like speak to them through your social media? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like in the beginning, I had no, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I still don't. But the difference with what I know my customers now from back then is taking courses. Like I I never thought I would need to pay for courses for making stuff. Right. But there are other people in that space that are, you know, they're already doing well. I need to trust those people. So prior to that, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it, like what your ideal customer were. Like, I I didn't even know what the meaning of that was. Like, what is your niche? Like, what, what is what does your customer like listen to what they wear? Like what, what are their age? Like mm-hmm. I had no idea like what that even meant. Like, I just thought I'm just going to make shit and I hope people will see it. <laughs> will come across, they'll buy it. They'll tell their friends. It, it really doesn't work that way, honestly. Um, so I, I had no idea, maybe like two the first two years, maybe towards the third, I, I think, until I started taking courses and they kept making me like write all these things down. And they were really hard for me to like answer because I was like, I don't know, like, I just like to design and spend money on like supplies and be broke, you know? Um, but then I started realizing, okay, so I have big dogs, right? They like to get dirty. We like to go hiking, we like to go camping. Mm-hmm. people that have big dogs that likes to get dirty, um, that likes to do adventures and, you know, they don't have to worry about a fabric collar getting destroyed when they're out doing stuff, you know, an adventure or whatever and couldn't find cute prints. So that's where I came in. Like, okay, well, I love florals. I love mountains. I love like bright colors. Like I just yeah. love cute shit. So I'm going to design things for like, big ass dogs, but like cute designs and let's try this and let's try to get this out there. And I think when I niched down and kind of figured out my ideal customer, that Mm -hmm. was when everything started clicking and I'm just like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is my mission. Like I, I'm supposed to do this. Like I've failed so many businesses in the past. Like, like this is it. I can't fuck up like this. Like I'm just, I'm just going to hide, hide in a hole. If if yeah. this doesn't work, I'm just going to go hide forever. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad that you said once your once you sort of had a better handle on your ideal customer, everything started to click. That's so important because 
that is what I feel like, like the reason that most um, new or struggling, like if you have an e-commerce store and, and you're listening and you're struggling right now, your problem likely isn't your Instagram content or your reels or your website. It's literally that you don't know who you're speaking to. You don't know your ideal customer. And when you don't know who your product is for, how it helps them, what pain points you're solving for them, then nothing that you're going to do is ever going to like click. So if you're listening and that's you, please listen to this advice because knowing your ideal customer is like the most important thing that you can do for your business. I have, I'll link a podcast episode that I have where I speak about, you know, how, how do you figure out who that person is, but so, so, so important. So I'm glad that you said that because that is what, and I've worked with hundreds of students over the years, a ton of clients. Um, and that's the one thing that's like, if your business isn't working, that's the one thing that's missing. It's like, you don't know your ideal customer and you're not knowing how to speak to them because when you know, okay, my ideal customer is someone who has like a big fluffy golden retriever and they spend their weekends in their Jeep Wrangler going to the mountains in Utah or driving out to California to the beaches and they love adventure. They live for freedom and adventure and the products that you make solve a pain point for that person. Like when you know that, you know how to speak to them on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on your website. You get product photos that speak to them. Like it all comes back to your ideal customer. So anyway, I'm on a rant, but thank you for saying that because it's just like, it's so true. So yeah. Yeah, I have one more thing to add that I think it really helps. It's just don't get too scatterbrained with, things that you think your customers will like, like for one week of like, Oh my gosh, I got this idea. I think I'm going to offer it in my shop just because I saw it somewhere else. And I think my customers will like it without testing and without really asking yourself like 30 questions. Like, do you really need to add this to your store? Does your customers really need this? Will this do well? Or is this just something you like? Like mm-hmm. that's going to make a big difference because I have so much freaking inventory in my studio right now because of that. Mm-hmm. It sucks and it hurts. You know, you waste a lot of money. You waste a lot of time trying to promote this, trying to promote that. You know, in reality, you really need to just focus on those few items in your store, maybe like a handful, like a dozen and just keep throwing the word out there to your customers. Like, this is what I sell. Like, this is the functionality of it. This is the problem that will solve for you. Like, don't try to be like a store that sells every single thing on the planet. Like I've been there. Yeah. I thought I would be a cool store that I can offer anything and everything to everybody. But in reality, like I didn't know what I was doing. I was wasting a lot of money. I bought a lot of products. Mm-hmm. And it's just sitting here. Yeah. Like, now I have like evergreen like products. I know that they will sell mm-hmm. and I just keep offering them over and over again. And a lot of times I don't do a lot of the holidays. Like I don't do St. Patty's day. I don't do Easter. I do like maybe four, three seasonal like collections. Maybe mm-hmm. if you try to be, you know, like give everyone like all the holiday seasonal stuff out there, you're just going to be cutting yourself short. You you won't have enough time to work on, you know, like big products. You won't have time to like talk about your evergreen product that does well. Mm-hmm. Just can't be a person that does everything because as a business owner, you do so much already. Like you yeah. hardly sleep. It's just so hard. <laughs> um, I love that so much. Um, I feel like there's so many, I want to uh, unpack a few things. Um, but what I would love to talk about is like, what would be your, and I would love to mention the subscription box stuff. If, if you're okay with that, if not, just let me know and we'll skip that. But I want to know what is your, cause people listening, like a lot of people are, they have new Shopify stores or, you know, they want to start a Shopify store. And Mm -hmm. they have also made a lot of mistakes, but they also want to stop making mistakes. So what do you think your biggest mistake was when you were starting your online store or like in your early days, not so much today, but like, what was your biggest mistake when you were first starting out? 
like uh, the online, like online or just Shopify? Just like in your, in your business, it doesn't matter if it's from your Etsy days, but like when you were first starting or in your business journey, like what was your, what, what do you think the biggest mistake that you made was, whether it's like you spent money on something that was like, cause I know I made a ton of mistakes. Um, you spent money on something that was like, you literally took your money and threw it down the toilet. Um, you launched a product that didn't work or that was difficult. Um, you listened to the wrong person and like the business just didn't work. So really anything like that. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't really say like things didn't work. I would really say like everything is a learning experience and you really, I mean, it's just sounds so cliche. You do learn. Mm-hmm. from things and you start realizing, wow, like this is just, wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, like as a shop owner, we all go through like our ups and downs. And when we get desperate, we start looking for courses or things that works. And then sometimes you get suckered in and like, oh, well maybe let me try this. If this isn't working, um, not really knowing what your actual problem was. Like that's where I was before, you know, I've had so many ups and downs, like I've had wins. I had breakdowns, had mental breakdowns. I had like panic attacks. I've never had mental issues until owning my shop. Like I've never had to take medication. I'll just put it out there. Like I never knew that being a business owner could be this tough. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, I would say subscription boxes for me was the hardest because it cost so much money, like it, everything you had to like upfront the cost. And you also had to plan several months ahead. And I, I don't think this was the right business model for me because I was, I'm still like, I still hand make stuff. So mm-hmm. I still had that part of my business. So I don't think it's for people that need to like work on their business. It's more for people that can source products put it in the boxes, you know, Mm -hmm. like market to the people. But for me, I made a mistake with that because I was trying to save money and I had an assistant at that time. And we were like making stuff. We're like making tie dye shirts. We're like uh, making mugs, tumblers, like custom stuff. And you're making them like 30, 50 boxes of those. And it's just, it just didn't make any sense. And the profit wasn't there. Like, can you, Oh, sorry. Can you just, just for context, could you just tell everyone like, so you had your business and then you decided to launch a subscription box. Uh Can you just provide context of like, was this the, was it the same business name? Was it a different business name? And like, what did you put in the boxes? Like, what was this product? Maybe just a little context would be, would be helpful. Okay. Yeah. So the subscription boxes were still called designs by wildside. Basically it had your option, like your, your, there was like two tiers to my subscription boxes. One was like $69. So my subscription boxes, they were not cheap because they uh, came with like the eco canvas collar, which is already like 40 something dollars on my website. And okay. then along with that would be something that went along with it, depending on the theme. Like if it was like camping, we did like camper cups and then we had like, hmm pour over coffee, like really cool, like stuff, um, eco-friendly toy, and then some sort of like treat that game, like went with the theme. So Mm -hmm. every month, like we had a theme for that. So they would have an option for the eco canvas collar, or, um, we alternate it with like the custom name bandana. Um, but we just, I just couldn't keep up anymore. Like I just, the money wasn't there. The profit wasn't there. And I spent a lot of money buying stuff in bulk like wholesale mm-hmm. not knowing how many I will sell that month because yeah. the window was so short for people to sign up for that month yeah. I sell boxes of inventory right now of stuff I bought for the subscription box yeah oh, wow. so, so how long did you have that like product for like the subscription box option? yeah mm-hmm. um I would say maybe like four to six months. I can't remember until I started taking this other course. (laughs) Maybe I'm a course junkie. I don't know. Um, I was taking this other course and had a coach and 
was, I was literally crying on the phone. Like, I don't know, my voice got shaky. <laughs> I was crying on the phone because, like, like I need your help. Like, I have so much inventory. Yeah. Like, I spent all my money on subscription box stuff. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know if my business is going to survive because I can't buy materials for my, you know, the stuff that I actually need to make orders. And yeah. she's like, I think the subscription boxes are draining you. Like, you just need to stop. Yeah. That's it. And I'm just like, what if I hurt my customers' feelings? And she's like, your customers will understand. Like, you just need to stop. Yeah. Like, I think after that call, like, I felt so much better, like, stopping the subscription mm-hmm. box. Just like thinking to myself, like, you know, you're going to hit some lows in your business and you're going to try everything that you can to, yeah. to bring it back up and, you know, kind of swim above the water, but not everything will work for you that, you know, like those courses that people are selling, like you're definitely going to make like six figures from this. It, it wasn't that easy. Like, I just wish yeah. I was kind of told like, it would be very easy. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I just did something wrong. I don't know. I'm not blaming the whole experience, but it was a fun experience thinking about what I'm going to carry for my customer next. I really yeah. love that part of making subscription boxes. And did you, did you do like branded boxes or did you just kind of keep it simple with the box? Cause I know like for a subscription box, <laughs> uh, the box itself is like a huge expense. Oh, those are beautiful. Where did you get those printed? Um, oh my God. I love it. I like want one. I want like to take that and like put it in my office. It's so pretty. So these are my subscription boxes. And then like, I would have like the instructions. Beautiful. Now I have a bunch of these in storage. They're beautiful. Where did you get those printed? Sorry. I didn't, I don't know if I heard you. I think Packling. Uh, Packling. Okay. it's it's kind of expensive. I feel like they're. Oh my god! It yeah. they are they are so expensive. I can't remember how yeah. much these were, but I think it was maybe like six dollars, probably five six dollars yeah. because it's full color. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I thought branding was like everything in a subscription box too. I didn't want to give people like here's a white box with your yeah. shit in it. You know, those are really pretty. Thank mm-hmm. you. I miss so- them. It was just kind of nice, like. Hi, these are my subscription box. I made these. <laughs> it is. I mean, I had a subscription box business, so I totally get it. It's not for everyone. And, you know, I will say till I'm blue in the face. Actually, I would never say this because I don't say it. Um, having a subscription box business is not easy. So I, I'm sorry that that was false promise to you because I... I have courses and I love buying courses. Courses are for people at a certain part of their business when they're either new, starting out, they want a quick win. They want the step-by-step that they can come back to. Um, But like, it's very important, at least for me, like I never tell people my course is going to help you make a million dollars. And I talk about this on my podcast all the time because I hate people who, who promise you things because you can't promise people results. Like you can help them get results. You're not responsible for people's results. They are, you can just provide them with the information. Um, but having a subscription box is not easy. And like, I'm sorry that that was maybe false promise to you in a program because it's not easy. And as you're sitting here telling me like, no, I had a hard time with it. And I know a lot of people have a hard time with, with subscription boxes. It's not easy. And it's a lot of your time, that you are spending on the sidelines, like curating the product, like thinking of the themes, then you have to make the product. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, I wouldn't blame the course at all for that. I would actually, I'm thankful for the experience. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. And Mm. some people were able to start it with like a couple hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I didn't think that was possible if you wanted to make your boxes look nice you don't have decent products. Yeah. I mean, it was a good learning experience. I mean, everyone should try it if they think they can do it. Um, I'm a pretty hardworking person. So if I couldn't figure it out, maybe I'm just dumb. <laughs> like no. I, I couldn't. a subscription box, like a subscription box business is similar to if you're just selling like 
one-time bandanas, one-times collars, there are overlaps to the business model, but the business model itself is completely different. It's like saying, I'm drinking iced coffee right now, but I'm also... I also really like tomato juice at the same time. Like they're just totally different drinks. They're not, you can't compare tomato juice. I don't even know why I'm saying tomato juice. That's so gross. Tomato juice and iced coffee. They're different drinks. And that's how e-commerce is with subscription box. It's like a different business model and you have to nail down the right product curation and demand, you know, and if you're hand making everything, that's a lot of freaking work. That's that too much cool. work. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think like with subscription boxes, you need to think about the big picture of like scaling. That's when you're going to make your money. It's not with 50 subscribers. You need yeah. like 200, 300, 400 yeah. subscribers to make sense of the profit, like the narrow profit margin that you're going to make. That's the only part that's going to make sense. Like for me, it, it wasn't good fit for my business, but that doesn't yeah. mean like it's, it won't work for others. For me, yeah. I just had a lot on my plate and I'm just glad I tried it because it made me love what I did already more. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Like, no, I that's good. <laughs> but now I got to sell all this inventory. So if anyone needs like extra subscription box inventory, I have some. <laughs> well, why don't you pa- like, why don't you use those to send your orders? Like you could do special, special boxes for like maybe a holiday or something and you could ship orders. Sometimes I'll do like, um, secret sales or stuff like that. You know, like mystery boxes. Like, um, I kind of do them now or I can just post them in like, I know there are subscription box groups that are always looking for like inventory. I can do that too. Yeah. I mean, the boxes are pretty, but yeah, I think like we all try things and sometimes it doesn't work. And you know what? Like that's also okay. Cause most people don't have the guts to do any of the stuff that you're doing. You know, most people don't have the guts to start a business or put themselves out there and then say, you know what? I tried this thing and it just didn't quite work. So we're going to have to close this part of the business, you know? And I know that's probably not, that wasn't an easy decision, but I'm also glad that you had the call with your coach And another plug, which is why coaches are amazing because they help you see the blind spots in your business that you're struggling with. And they can just be like, no, you know what? The subscription box is not a good idea. You should just stop it, you know? So I've had had like a little bit off topic, but still for people that wants to start a business, maybe they haven't even started. I do have some friends that have reached out to me um, in the past asking me for advice you know, if I want to start a business, you know, can you schedule a call with me? Like, can you let me know what I need to do? And, you know, I used to do this in the past. I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'll talk to you and just give you a few pointers. If you give me your questions, you know, like I'm happy to help and just, you know, maybe like point to this course or this like YouTube channel, you know, just Mm -hmm. like things to help. But if people, if you really want to start a business, It's really more than just, I have an idea. I have a product. I'm going to post pictures and on my Etsy and I hope it will sell. There's just so many like moving parts to owning a business. Like you you really need to find a course that works for you. There are so many different types of courses out there for all stages of people, like people that are starting to think about starting a business. You know, I know you offer some people that are like, maybe started making first few grand, you know, that year or people that are, you know, like already well past six figures. There are different types of like courses for every journey of your business stage. Mm -hmm. And I would just do, do it, like get the money, you know, investment. PayPal is really good with, um, PayPal have like, PayPal have like capital now and Mm -hmm. Shopify They've got Shopify capital. I've already taken out about 15 grand from Shopify. Like, and you just paid them back through your orders, which is amazing. You don't have to like worry about it. PayPal, Shopify, they both have those like programs that you can utilize. And for people that are starting out, don't ask your friends, like, how do you do this? How are you at this point with your business? Like, don't ask us. Like, it's 
it's not going to make sense to you. It's going to sound like gibberish because you're going to skip all these steps. You literally need to like find a course that works for you that can walk you through and hold your hand because it's like literally going to college like all over again. Yeah. Um, that's like my biggest tip for people that are starting out or mm-hmm. wants to start. You you definitely need the coaching. There's just so much to yeah. learn. Like, right now, I feel like the the new master course I was taking, it made me feel like I'm a baby. Like, like wow, I didn't know any of this. Like, this is so much work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because, and that's like literally why I do what I do because I help people get to where they want to be. Cause I've already done the things that you're trying to get to and I can help you figure out what's not working. What do you need to do? Like you're not doing this thing and you know, no one starts a business knowing all this stuff. Like you don't start a business and you know, I know every single thing on how to optimize my website. I know how to increase my conversion rate. I know how to get my customers to buy more for me. I know SEO. I know social media. Like you don't know all that stuff. You have to learn it or someone has to give you the tools to like learn and implement on your own. It's not, it's a lot of stuff, you know, Um, but it's also like you learn over time, you know, you don't start off and then you have to do everything tomorrow I mean, I've been in this space for six and a half years and I've also been doing marketing as a profession for a million years before that. So it isn't like I just started my business and I was like, I made six figures. I know how to do everything. That's not true. And I'm still learning. You know, I have clients and I manage their Shopify stores. So I'm constantly learning new things and better ways of doing things. So it is all like, we're all in this journey together. So Um, and I know you have now grown your business and you have, you know, quite a good Instagram following and all that. What, and I want to talk about your rebrand quickly, but like, how do you feel like your business started off and where is it today? Like, where are you at today? Oh gosh, it was so embarrassing. Like, here's my story. How, like where I found Wildside on Pinterest, I literally just went through like branding logo and I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I'm just going to do that. And I don't even know why, why I went with wild side. Like it had no meaning to me. I think I just liked the way it looked. Maybe the W I have no idea. And I stuck with it. I've had one, two, three, four. <laughs> I've had like maybe like four logo changes because no, nothing was ever made professionally. And mm-hmm. I just don't feel like it spoke to me. So recently um, I actually made the plunge and hired um, an agency docs design. Like Mm -hmm. I've been following them for a long time and they have really like quirky, like unique type of like design style. And it's just not something that you see every day. And it's definitely something that's very eye catching. Mm -hmm. So I finally got the nerve to like, rebrand. Um, I was hoping to like, just get rid of wild side. I hated it. I, I had no idea why I was like, I hate wild side. I hate the name. I hate seeing it. Cause people always be like designed by wildlife. I'm like, no, like, it's wildlife. <laughs> like, and then they'll be like, wild side, like wild. I'm like, okay. And I, I just wanted to just get rid of it. But like I said before, like everyone said to stick with what you have because we know you as Wildside in this space already. Yeah. So we stuck with it and I gave them kind of like a visual and I told them I wanted something that's outdoorsy, friendly, fun, and vibrant. And they took that. I was so scared. Like I was, I was having a breakdown, not knowing what I should change my name to, how this was going to look like how different it was going to look and I don't like changes and it's very hard for me to like cope with that um I think the first round of edits when they brought it back to me I was like oh I don't love this like I hope you guys don't kill me like don't fire me like I know I'm, I'm a picky person but after like going through like the edits and just keep chatting with them like they sent like the final stuff over I'm just I was shocked like I almost cried I was in bed. Like I was checking my emails, like, like, you know, like six in the morning, one eye open. I'm like, I can't even see what this says. Like my eyes are so dry. Like this hurts. 
And I looked at the rebrand. I'm just like, holy shit. Like they nailed it. Like, mm-hmm. like I almost cried because they included my three holdings, like in the branding. Aww, like cute. I wasn't sure if I, they could do this, but they did. And you know, the branding is just so fun. It's vibrant. Mm-hmm. It's outdoorsy. It's not so serious, but it still get, gets the point across. So um, I was really thankful because now I feel more like a legit business. Mm-hmm. I feel professional and everything. It's like kind of put together. Um, the main reason why I wanted to do the rebrand is because we're in stores right now, but I want to make sure the brand stands out next to my competitors on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And for trade shows like Super Zoo, what's the other one? Is it Pet Expo? Um, yeah, something. Yeah, global. global. Yeah. yeah. And I have plans to go to those trade shows and I want to make sure like the signage and everything stands out and people could be like, oh, that looks unique over there. Let's, let's go over there. You know, I really wanted to have a logo and branding marketing that kind of stood out. Like when people look at it, like, what's your story behind it? I could tell them there is a meaning behind it versus I got this off of Pinterest. I don't know. But that doesn't sound very confident, you know? Yeah. So where, so I know I, I asked you and then we talked about rebranding, but like, so what, what is your business looking like today? So we talked about the early days. We talked about some struggles and some things that you learned and advice. Now it seems like you're going to be in stores. So I feel like that is a huge journey that you've been through. Um, where, like, tell us about that. Like, what kind of stores are you going to be in and how is your business doing today? Yeah, I think right now we're in like 14 brick and mortar stores across the United States and Canada. Okay. We want to expand a lot more. Um, Probably still sticking to the brick and mortar stores. I have no interest in being like Petco, Petco, Chewy, you know, like PetSmart, because I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like that would just throw everything away that I've worked really hard for. And if I'm going to go that route, like I would probably create a different brand to like go into the stores directly. But because I have, I feel like there's a connection in the pet industry and I kind of want to stay with the brick and mortar stores. Um, yeah. Like the small, do you mean like the smaller, like mom and pop boutiques? Yeah. Smaller stores, mom and pop yeah. boutiques. Um, okay. Right now we started manufacturing like a year ago with our harnesses, um, collars and leashes. So it's still 50, 50. I'm still working my way into do like full manufacture. So I have, I can do more volume. Like right now, okay. I'm just, you know, my hands are kind of tied with like making orders all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's where I see wild side, maybe like a year or two full manufactured to, okay. you know, to be able to go and in, get into more stores at a higher volume. Okay. Well, that's it. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and just to kind of wrap things up, what would be one, actually, you know what? I just want to ask you one more question. So what made you, so I know that you said you did the rebrand because obviously you wanted a different logo and maybe like a different name Mm -hmm. and you wanted to feel, you wanted to have your brand stand out against competitors because one of your goals is to be in more brick and mortar stores. What made you just like, actually, never mind. What have you learned? I feel like I always change my mind when I'm thinking of questions. What, what is the biggest thing that you've learned since rebranding? Have you had, do you have a better understanding of who you're targeting, your brand future, like the personality of your brand? Tell us a little bit about like what you've learned from going through the experience. So not really the logo thing, but like more beyond the logo. What have you learned? Um, I mean, it's still pretty new, you know, with the rebranding. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely more than the logo. Like you said, it's like, it. there's so much to branding and like your tone, the way you talk to people and the way you present yourself for the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just kind of all ties together when your branding package stands out more than just like a logo. I don't know. Like I'm not making sense. (laughs) No, that's okay. I feel like it's probably a hard question. I just mean like, cause I know I have another client who just went through a rebranding and she was kind of struggling 
with just like she, she sold in the pet space. I won't say her name or who she worked with, but like she had a few different pet products and was struggling with like, what, what am I selling to people? Like I sell product, but like, what's the bigger thing? Like, who am I attracting? What do I want to be known for? And the rebranding, um, I haven't really had much follow up with her to see how it's gone, but like, ideally, if you're doing a rebrand, it's not just the logo and fonts. It's like, you have a better understanding, at least I would think you have a better understanding or a clear understanding of like, what is your, what is your brand all about? Like who is wild side? What is it about? It's not like I sell collars, but it's, you talked about this at the beginning. Like I create, I help create adventures with dogs and their dog parents and, I have, you know, I help facilitate adventure while still looking cute or something like it's always more than the product. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. And I don't know if that makes, I feel like I'm not asking it very articulately, but I'm just probably not understanding, but I mean, the, the branding along with the rebranding along with like the marketing material, your shipping material, the experience when your customer opens up their package, Mm -hmm. I think like it just kind of like speaks for itself and it kind of like now that the colors are more fun in my shop, like before it was just black and white. Now that there's colors like in like the pattern elements, there's like harnesses, collars, dogs running around mountains, water puddle. Like it just kind of like speaks for itself. Like it's like, this is a fun adventurous type brand. So I, I don't know if that, kind of like answers. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I'm like, I'm literally looking through your Instagram because I want to see what the new logo. Oh, okay. Wild side, what the wild dogs wear. Yeah, I love it. It's really, really pretty. And I feel like it gets to the point what I sell now, like before the logo looked really like sophisticated. It was just like black and white and yeah, it was cute, but I don't think it spoke to the customers now. Like, I'm just really hoping that people will see the brand, you know, as what we are trying to sell. And, and I have a feeling that's going to help the business grow a bit more because I feel like customers may, you know, they may be more attracted to your brand because your brand makes sense versus like what they sell, like their logo doesn't even go with what they sell. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And your logo is very cute. I I really like it. I like that it's like the dog, the sun, and like the mountain in the background. It's very, very cute. I really they like it. Great job. And I feel like they kind yeah. of took some of the Utah like aspect of things and they made it look like a canyon, a little like kind of like a canyon mountain. Yeah. And they did the sun. If you notice like the little hidden message, like the sun behind the mountain, like golden. I out, love it. Like golden retriever. Okay. And I told them, I love the badge that they did because badge, you know, like badges for like hikes, you know, I don't know. I just felt like all those elements, like those little details Mm -hmm. just went really well with the brand. I mean, they really listened. Like if two things that you're going to spend money on for your business, it's branding and a course. Like, I, I feel like you have to, those are investments. Like investments in your business that will help you grow. You can't just keep running a business blindly and just kind of (laughs) like, when I'm really bad, like eyesight, I'm always like trying to like figure out where things are. Yeah. You you just need to like treat it like as an education investment. You know, most businesses, what, what is that saying? Like most businesses do not survive after how many years? Like the second or third year. I think the first year, but definitely like most don't survive after the fifth year. Yeah. So you could be spending all that money and efforts and time and not know it that you're on the way to like failing. But if you, you know, if you trust people to help you guide you through that's been through the space already, you know, like in the pet industry and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. I feel like you could succeed, you know, along with, making sure that you are aware that there are going to be times that are going to be hard. You're going to fail. You're going to be broke. There are going to be good times. There are going to be bad <laughs> times. You just have to kind of believe in what you do and really love what you do to kind of keep going. Yeah. Oh, I love that. 
Um, thank you so much. This was so fun. And it's been nice to hear just like your story and also just like the evolution of your business. As we can see, like you didn't just get started yesterday. You've been at this for a few years and now you've gone from like a DIY logo, making your own like bow. I think you said bow ties and collars with a glue gun to manufacturing to being in brick and mortars and now doing a rebrand so you can be, so I think in your mind, like you want to be like a, a brand that stands out in a shop. And so you're taking all the actions to do that. So it's, it's awesome to see that evolution because like, you know, I talk about a lot on my podcast, there isn't an overnight success. And that's why yeah. I really wanted to do, I'm going to be doing more of these types of episodes, like female founders, how they started, what's the journey, what's the hard shit you've been through. And like, okay, now today you're doing some awesome stuff. Like it's working and you've learned things and, um, you know, you're doing well. So it's been um, awesome to hear that. And then tell everyone where they can find you and where they can get your products. Yeah, they can find me on our website. It's wildsidedoggear.com. We just changed that, but designs by Wildside will still work. Um, we're on Instagram. There's still designs by Wildside. It won't let me change it right now. So it should be changed to Wildside Dog Gear in the future, maybe like 14 days. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also on TikTok and Facebook as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was so nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Carrie. Love chatting with Candy. And, you know, I have to say, having a pet brand myself, I really enjoy talking, having conversations like this with other people that have pet brands because, you know, if you are someone who has a pet brand, your business likely started because you were just obsessed with your dog. And so I am all about that. I agree with you. And yeah, I love pet brands. So anyway, I hope you guys love this episode. It was super fun. And if you can take a minute and leave a review on Apple iTunes, I will be so grateful. And be sure to also follow Candy. All of her social channels are linked below. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much and I'll see you guys next week.